Welcome to Becoming. This is episode 114, When Life Gives You Lemons with Natalie Norton. This episode is an encore from two years ago. This was episode 22 and 23. We made it a two-part episode because it was a long interview and we like to keep the episodes short, but it is one of our favorite episodes and we have wanted to encore it for such a long time. It was quite a chore getting it split into two episodes, and we knew that if we did an encore, we needed to put it back together, and it was definitely tougher getting it back together than it was splitting it up. But after this entire Surrender series, I knew it needed to be done. Tawny has put so much love and work into this series, and it's so helpful hearing other stories to help you with whatever you're struggling with. This episode totally did that for me. It's crazy that it's been two years, but I was really struggling with heightened anxiety and some trauma, and this episode absolutely helped pull me up out of that hole. I go back to it constantly. I use the high five you'll hear about in this episode nearly daily. I actually made a lock screen for you guys if you want a reminder to implement it, and I'm going to put the link in the bio. Um, It's a great tool to use, and it's really... So nice to have it just on your phone so you can kind of remember what those things are. And I have shared this episode with more people and more times than any of the other episodes. So I really hope that you stick it out. We know it's a long episode, but it is absolutely gold. And I hope that it helps you gain some perspective and tools through difficult struggles. We love you all so much and we hope that you love this episode. Welcome to Becoming, where together we are becoming more than we are and who we were always meant to be. We are your hosts, Tawny Beardall and Erica Peterson. Each episode will feature different topics to enhance your growth, help you see the world differently, and discover who you really want to become. I am so thankful that you are here with me. I am thrilled about today's episode. I am interviewing Natalie Norton who is one of my all-time favorite people. Seriously, think in your head of the top three people that you would want to interview in the whole wide world. And I got to speak to one of my top three. It was really a dream come true, and it lived up to every expectation I had and beyond. So normally, I try to keep these episodes like 20 to 30 minutes at the most, but our conversation alone was more than double that. And I tried to edit down everything I could, mostly just our personal conversation, but I honestly couldn't cut down one more second because every single word she says has so much value and power. It's everything. I know that this episode will be able to touch so many people and provide so much value to you. So Natalie is a powerhouse. She is unbelievable. You can find her on Instagram just under her name, Natalie Norton. And I just want you to know that I know Natalie personally. We haven't been in each other's lives for, I don't know, 15 or 20 years. But we grew up in Alpine, Utah, just two houses down from each other. And since then, she's just lived this amazing life and has been through more than you can imagine. And through her valuable experiences, she's just grown into this woman that I admire so deeply. But I wanted to start by telling you about Natalie. So you have a little background before we get this conversation started. So Natalie started her career as a photographer. And this was actually the reason why I started following along her journey years ago. She is just a stunning photographer. Her work is amazing. So that's why I started following her. But through the years and different life experiences, she now focuses her time on being a mother, first and foremost, and a life consultant, a speaker, a writer, and she just started this new venture of hosting an incredible podcast called Show Up Podcast with Natalie Norton. You guys have to check it out. I say this later in the episode with her, but I truly believe I should be paying for every single episode I listen to in her podcast. It is that beneficial, you guys. Well, not only is Natalie a powerhouse because of her many talents and skill sets, but she is even more influential to me 
because of how she has overcome the terrible heartbreaks and tragedies that she has faced. The name of this episode today is When Life Gives You Lemons. And I specifically wanted to talk to Natalie about this because she knows more than I wish she had to about life's lemons. And I've been amazed as I've watched how she's handled these tragedies. Natalie had to experience the loss of her only sibling, her brother Gavin. Gavin was her best friend and they were incredibly close. He even lived with Natalie and her husband off and on until his unexpected death at the age of 21. He died in his sleep. No signs of foul play or nothing in his system. He was totally healthy one day and then gone the next. This was absolutely devastating for Natalie and I've heard her talk about how it kind of caused her to feel like she lost her identity. If she wasn't Gavin's sister, then who was she? Like This was just devastating to her. And then two years later, she gave birth to her fourth son, who she named Gavin after his uncle. Well, baby Gavin died of pertussis when he was only three months old. Baby Gavin is buried on top of his uncle Gavin near their home at the North Shore of Oahu. After her sweet baby Gavin passed away, just two years after this, Natalie and her husband Richie became parents to one-year-old twins and their seven-year-old sister. They were part of their family, their hearts, and their souls in every single way. But after two years of uninterrupted custody, their three children were suddenly and unexpectedly reunited with their birth mother, and they haven't been able to have any contact with them since. Shortly after that, Natalie suffered a mini-stroke and lost her ability to speak and understand verbal written language. It took her two years to regain her health. And then about a year after that, her 10-year-old son was hit by a distracted driver while crossing the street. They were so close to losing him. He had many traumatic injuries with some pretty extensive surgeries, and thankfully he pulled through, but his recovery is still ongoing. As you can see, Natalie knows something of heartbreak and tragedy, and I cannot wait for you guys to learn from her. All right, enough with my gabbing. Let's do this. Here is the interview with Natalie Norton. Natalie! Oh my gosh, hi! Hi, I'm beyond excited to have you on Becoming with me today. I am thrilled that you took the time to come talk to us, so thank you, thank you. I am so happy to be here, and it's just crazy to see you after all these years, like in real life, but not real life, but kind of real life. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I'm seeing you. It's, I don't even remember the last time... We no, in real life. Oh, no idea. Anyway. Okay. So I am not exaggerating when I tell you that you have had the most influence on me, save it be the people in my daily life. Like, I, I really feel like your soul just gets my soul. Aww. So I am that's honored. So, that's so kind of you to say. It's real, Natalie. I'm but just you know so honored to have you. That, though. Oh, thank you. Thank you. But you know what's interesting about that is like even when we were kids, like your big sister Chrissy and I were the same age and we were friends, like totally. But you and I always had so much fun together, even yeah. despite that. Like I always remember like wanting Chrissy to bring you, you know, or like <laughs> like you and I would hang out and like I didn't, we didn't want to hurt Chrissy's feelings, but like I had a lot of fun with you too. And so <laughs> I feel maybe, like we just get each other. Right? Maybe our souls just are connected. <laughs> I think so. Seriously, everything you say, I'm like, oh, Bible, I really feel like I need to pay for your podcast. Oh my like, gosh. You're that's so how funny. much I love it. I'm not exaggerating. Like everything you say, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Well, I just, do you know what's interesting about that though? And I think that this is a really good thing for your audience to hear, especially cause like you guys, hi, you guys are teenagers and it's like, yeah. it's a rough big world out there. But what I want people to get is that they resonate with things that I say, not because I'm the one saying them. They resonate with the things that I say because they're true. And mm -hmm. it's not because I have some corner on the truth market mm -hmm. because like sometimes as we get older, we, and even when we're young, we have the opportunity to choose to dive deeper and to be willing to say things out loud that maybe other people feel nervous about saying, and that's okay. But I think that when people come to me and they say, oh my gosh, I just love everything you share. And I just feel so connected to it and, um, blah, 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 on and on and on every single time what it comes down to is that they're resonating with the principles. They're not resonating with me. Yes, I'm the delivery mechanism, but what speaks to their soul is the principles because they're timeless and they're real and all of us can relate. Whether our, our trial or our suffering is death and loss or 
struggling through bad acne or um, or struggling because we feel awkward and uncomfortable in our own skin or we have a hard time speaking in front of our friends or, you know, there's a million different things. But when we mm-hmm. recognize that all of us have things, right? suddenly it's like, dude, let's just talk about this stuff. Yes. Let's just start talking about it so that it doesn't feel so squirmy all the time, you know? Absolutely. But That's again, my goal here for me, sure. Not about me, about the principles. But you're... A fantastic deliverer. You <laughs> are. It's, you're so eloquent and beautiful with how you speak. And I just. Well, I will take the compliment. You're amazing. Well, I hope so. Her story of loss has captured the hearts of many, many people. And I think people feel connected through heartache and tragedy. That's why we all started following along your story and your journey. But we have all stayed with you because we've witnessed your amazing strength and authenticity. Your ability to show up broken, honest, and beautifully vulnerable has been incredible to observe. I've been in awe of your expansive perspective and your ability to articulate your feelings through these life lessons. You are this master teacher, Natalie, and people are so connected to your raw and open, genuine personality. And I just can't wait to dive into your brain and discover how we can learn and grow from you. And I really hope your experiences speak to these teens listening so they can learn how to cope with and deal with these feelings of grief and loss as well. Oh my gosh. That's like the nicest introduction ever. <laughs> well, Thank obviously you. I believe every single word of it. You're amazing. Thank you. So you have teens. So you're already like a much better expert about teens than I am. But have you no, worked with No, teens? no, no. It's the opposite. It's oh, the really? opposite. As soon Tell as me. you have teenagers, you realize you know nothing. <laughs> And every single one's different. So tell us the ages of your sons right now. Okay. So my, I have all boys. My oldest is 15, almost 16. I have one who just turned 14 last week and I have one who is 12, 12, 13 at the end of the summer. And then baby Gavin. And then baby Gavin who would be, um, oh gosh, I think he would be eight or nine, which is insane. I know. Little surfers and like the sweetest, most wonderful boys on this whole earth. Well, I've enjoyed watching them. They are the cutest. So have, have you worked with teens? So I've done quite a few different things. My husband and I met as EFY counselors, which is hilarious and awesome. That's awesome. I know. And um, I also did training with teenagers in the seven habits program with that curriculum. And then also I've just spoken at different like camps and events and yeah. different things all over, all over the whole gamut. Right. And I've of course served in young women's and um, I just love teenagers because I feel like there's just this untapped potential. Mm. And it's just like, I look at these wonderful people and I just think we just, I just want to grab them all by the shoulders and be like, guys, if you start right now, Right now. You don't have to go into all the like garbage and like the mess of getting caught up in your head and in your own insecurities. And like, we can build habits right now that help you as an adult in so many wonderful ways. So rather than like breaking down all the crap that people have learned over the years, yeah, right. <laughs> able to start fresh, so to speak. And I think uh, that there's just so much power there. Oh, absolutely. And what we're focusing on today is when life gives you lemons. Mm -hmm. And I did some research on loss for this age group. And I was surprised to find out that 20% of teens before high school will end for them. They will have lost one of their parents. And 90% of them have dealt with the loss of a loved one. And so loss and tragedy is not... It, you know, it's not discriminatory per age. Like these no. kids are dealing with this right now. And they, yeah. I think it's so nice to have someone like you that like is so relatable that they can learn from and discuss these topics with. Oh, it just breaks my heart. 20% is such a high, is such a high percentage. To lose um, a parent already. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't school. even believe that. I can't even believe that. Um, but also for all of anyone listening, whether they've lost someone or not, the principles are the same and it's important for people to remember that all pain and all grief are they it's okay to voice those things and it's um it doesn't mean that we're like being selfish like a lot of times people will say things like oh you know i i feel this but i don't feel like i'm allowed to because at least it's not and then they're comparing it to someone else who's like lost a mother or a father or and i'm yes you're right losing a mom and dad 
unbelievable, unspeakably earth shattering. Mm -hmm. And still all struggle is struggle. And it's okay to recognize that things are hard and that no matter where you're at and no matter who you may have lost or not lost, um, we're all in this together Mm -hmm. and we can learn and we can grow together. I am with you. I totally agree with that. And not trying to compare yourself to anyone. What you're dealing with is what you're dealing with. And it's important no matter what level it's at. Absolutely. So can you help me understand when we experience loss and heartbreak so deeply, sometimes it can just seem impossible to get up and move on with life, to get out of bed the next day. How do you do that? How (laughs) how do you keep functioning when you experience that deep loss? one, One day at a time. You know, I think that um, there are definitely going to be periods, times, days, months where it feels impossible. And that's also true just of depression yeah, or of, of a situation at school or of anxieties or, yes, grief, loss. Um, there are going to be periods in all of our lives that feel insurmountable. And they especially feel big when we get it in our heads. There's two, okay, let's, let's, let's say this differently. There's two things that happen. We have the thought that things are permanent. Mm. How we live and feel right now is how we're always going to feel. And when we get stuck there, for sure, yeah, it's really hard to function day in and day out because there's hopelessness that's inherent to the idea of permanence. So, the first step is to realize that our thoughts and feelings are shifting and changing all the time, every moment of every day. And how you feel in this moment is no indication of how you'll feel five minutes from now or 10 minutes from now or an hour or a day or a month. And if we can keep that in mind that everything we feel and everything we think is always in flux, then there's always hope. Because the worst thing we can do is lose hope. And, and the idea of permanence, feeling as though what we feel is permanent, that is the quickest way to lose hope. And I want every single person listening right now to imagine that I'm standing in front of you and I've got my hands on your shoulders and I'm looking in your eyes and I'm telling you what you feel is not permanent. You will get through this. There is beautiful light ahead of you. I promise you that. I promise you that no matter where you are, no matter what you're facing, there's hope on the horizon. There's hope on the horizon. Okay, so that's number one. The idea of permanence is where we get stuck. The second place we get stuck is when we start thinking thoughts that are pervasive. And let me explain what that means. When we're in a pervasive kind of thinking, we are assuming that the way we feel about this situation applies to everything always. So let's say that the situation is you're feeling a lot of anxiety about a test at school. And that anxiety starts to bleed into every other part of your life. And suddenly you feel stressed about your relationships and you also feel stressed about um, your, your extracurricular activities and you're letting that anxiety become a pervasive part of your life. Yeah. It's bleeding into everything else. And yes, with grief, it does bleed into everything else because it affects our identity. It affects the deepest core of who we are and of how we relate with the world. And that is just a part of the process. And simultaneously, what is happening in that one instance with that loss and that pain does not have to be pervasive in every single part of your life. There are still beautiful things. Mm -hmm. There is still hope. You're seeing it, yes, through a filter or a lens that distorts everything because it's the grief that is the filter and the lens. But just because you're feeling that way and your perception is skewed through that lens, that doesn't mean that suddenly every single part of your life has fallen apart. And I even know, if it feels like it, even if it feels like it, and that's a really hard thing um, to remember when you're in the thick of it. But remembering that nothing is permanent and that nothing is pervasive. Those are two ways that you can help yourself move through. And then, of course, remembering one day at a time just thinking one day at a time. And if that feels too long, then think one breath at a time, Mm -hmm. one minute at a time, one class period at a time, whatever you need to do in order to help yourself pace it out. Kind of like you're running a marathon, right? You don't just look at it and go, I'm going to run 26 miles. You think I'm going to run one mile and then I'm going to run the next and then I'm going to run the next. So powerful. 
I seriously want people to just record what you said when you said, I'm going to hold you and look in your eyes, record it, listen to that every day if you need to, just to be able to move forward the next foot in front of the other. Yep. So what about just specific coping methods, something that we can do like physically tangible to be able to cope? Yeah, well, I I actually have five things that I recommend to all people who are in um, despair or grief or overwhelm or anything where they just feel stuck and trapped inside of a cycle of negative thinking and darkness and anxiety, any of those things. And some of them seem ridiculous. In fact, most of them probably seem ridiculous. But I'm going to promise you right now, every single one of you, that if you will commit to these five things every single day, little by little, line upon line, you'll start to feel better. You really, really will. I promise you. We're going to call them our like high five. Okay. Like like another five. Okay. So this sounds absurd. And for some of you, you're going to be like, why? This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But number one is hygiene. And I know that that sounds so silly, but you need to get your bum out of bed and you need to brush your teeth and you need to take a shower. If you're a girl and you're like, I can't shower every day. It ruins my hair. Then fine. Don't (laughs) shower your head, but shower your body. Yes. Because a lot of times when we're stuck in grief and pain, we forget that we're also like a human being that exists in the world. We start to live like in this like uh, space in between like our life and our pain and reminding ourselves that we're alive and that we're awake and there's something to it. And you guys on the worst of days, even if you just get up and brush your teeth and take a shower and get right back into your PJs and climb right back into bed, there is still something to be said for taking care of yourself in one little tiny way. And that's why it's so simple. That's why it's just hygiene. Okay. Wash your face. Whatever you need to do, do something to remind yourself that you're alive. Hygiene is number one. Number two, fresh air. You need to get your body out of your house for at least a few minutes every day. Now, that doesn't, it doesn't count like running from your house to your car. You need to like walk to your mailbox. And guys, if it's snowing and cold, you can put a coat on. You're going to be okay. You totally have the capacity to get outside for one to two minutes a day. And if it's not sunny, yeah, sun is awesome and it feels so good and it helps us kind of like recenter because we can focus on the way that it feels against our skin and we can feel the heat of it and there is power in that. But if it's not a sunny day, just go outside and take a few breaths of fresh air. And that is going to bless you too. But get outside, fresh air every day, even if it's just two or three minutes, make that an absolute priority. Um, number three, movement. I know, again, seems so silly. Movement, what do you mean? I mean real movement. I'm not going to tell you to exercise because I know a lot of you like are exercising every day. is just a part of your life, just doing yeah. your teenage world and moving around and going, like even walking from class to class is more exercise than most adults get every day. But you need to move and get your heart thumping. Yeah. So I'm going to say just do five jumping jacks. Seriously. Like, I'm not asking you to, like, go out and, and go to CrossFit or something. I just yeah. need you to move your body. So five jumping jacks a day. That's easy for any person. Again, you can get up. You can do five jumping jacks, and you can climb right back into bed. But again, just getting your heart thumping, getting ourselves to remember that we have power and strength, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the next one, number four, is gratitude. Yeah. Now, so huge. So huge. You could do an entire episode on gratitude. It's the most powerful thing. Good. Well, there you go. Everybody go listen to the episode on gratitude, but expressing it to others. You could send a text to your mom or to a friend, find something that you feel grateful for every day. I highly recommend that you have a little notebook or journal by your bed and every single morning or every single night you write down five to 10 things you're grateful for. There is so much power in remembering, this kind of goes to the idea of the fact that not everything is pervasive, right? When we express gratitude, we realize, oh, not everything is a mess. Not everything is broken and bad. There's still beauty. There's still all these great things that we can hold on to. And there's real power in that as it relates to every bit of our spirit and the way that we think and the way that we show up in the world. So gratitude every single day. Mm -hmm. The last thing, number five, is meditation or prayer or both because they go hand in hand, right? Mm -hmm. What I'm going to recommend to all of your listeners is an app that is called the Headspace app. You can download it for free. Ask your mom and dad, get permission, but it has a little program on there that's free and it's 10 in 10, 10 minutes a day for 10 days, 10 minutes, super easy, but it's awesome because it leads you through 
what it really means to meditate and why it matters because we're finding more and more that there are scientific benefits to moments of stillness and quiet. But then when we actually go to do it, what happens? Our brains are just like racing with thoughts. We're worried about things. We're thinking about things. We're, we're planning for the future. We're thinking about the past, or, right? All of that. And it's so natural. Yeah. But this program, it just line upon line leads and guides and helps you develop the capacity and understand the importance of sitting in quiet. And if that's too weird and out there for you, prayer. Let go of the meditation and just focus on prayer. Get on your knees every day and connect with your Father in heaven. Huge. And I would even take it a step further and just remind you that your heart can be constantly filled with prayer. That in any moment you can just say, hey, I feel alone. I need, I need help. I need sustenance. I need hope. And that that prayer can just linger with you all day long. It's like having a constant communication line open. And that would be the fifth. So hygiene, fresh air, movement, gratitude, meditation, and prayer. Those are the five. High five. High five. Oh my gosh, Natalie. I'm using that. I love it. It's awesome. I always recommend um, with anything like this, guys, get out a post-it note, write those five things down and just stick it on your wall. Stick it on your mirror in your bathroom, carry it in your wallet, put a reminder that pops up on your phone at a certain time every day. Um, Because it's not enough to just mentally commit. You need physical reminders. And I promise you, if you even just try to do those silly five things for one week, one week, I promise you, you'll feel, you'll feel more alive. You'll feel different. You'll feel better in your life. Absolutely. And then your vision will be more clear and you'll have a bigger yeah. perspective. I think we yes. just have to force ourselves. We yep. And sometimes this. that is what it is in the beginning, especially it's just forcing ourselves. Right. And then over time we get to the point where we can't live without it. We realize, oh my gosh, my life is so changed. How do I not do this? It's like telling me not to breathe. Mm-hmm. And you just start to feel again. I've been in that space where I'm like, I am a robot. I, yeah. I remember like feeling like, why well, do I have to take care of this body? I've felt yeah. that complete numbness. Yeah. And I feel like if I would have had these five things to focus on just to yeah. like center myself, I think it would have got me out of that slump faster. It's so. like a, a lifeline. And then it switches from being a lifeline to being like a belay. Like imagine that you're actually like hanging, you know, like you're holding on for dear life. And then Think of the other thing that you that happens when you're climbing, for example. It's there and it exists to catch you if you fall, but it doesn't mean you're hanging falling. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? So that's what yeah. I'm saying. The difference between like a belay in climbing and like a lifeline. The idea of a lifeline is, oh my gosh, I'm holding on for dear life. A belay is just there. Support system. Right? A support system. Oh my gosh, I love that. So I know sometimes when tragedy strikes and these awful things happen in our life, we often look for people to blame you know, whether it to be a doctor involved or someone else in the incident. And sadly, often it's God that we just want to blame someone as human, as human beings. I've seen that in my own life and I've seen it in others. And how do we resist that urge to just blame? Yeah. Do you have any ideas for that? It's hard. And the first thing I want to say as it comes to blaming God, and this is really counter probably to what any other adult might recommend, but having been in the deepest parts of grief and loss and having had my heart ripped out so many times and the bottom of my life just fall out, the most honest answer I can give first and foremost is that you can yell at God and he can take it. Mm. You're allowed to say, I hate this. You're allowed to say, this isn't fair. You're allowed to yell and scream and cry and pound your fists to heaven and your father in heaven loves you and your father in heaven will still stand beside you. Your father in heaven can take it. Now, that's not where we want to stay forever, but I don't want anyone ever to hear this and think, oh, I'm not allowed to feel angry or I'm not allowed to feel um, need to, to have someone to blame because I think that that's just a natural part of the process. And I don't want anyone to feel small if that's what they're feeling, or I don't want anyone to feel guilty or ashamed if they feel the need to blame or if they're angry at God, because those really are very natural parts of the process and they're nothing to be ashamed of. And when I say the process, I just mean grief. It, it is a beast. It is the monster under your bed and it is so unpredictable and it reaches into so many different parts of your brain and your life. And even the way you physically feel, I know what it feels like to be so sad that my skin hurt. It seems like something that you can't even imagine. But then when you're in it, you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm in so much pain that I am physically hurting. 
my spirit hurts so bad that my body hurts. So I know what that feels like. And there's not a right or a wrong way. As long as we remember that we are in a tunnel, not a cave, Mm. and we keep putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best every day, letting ourselves feel what we feel, but choosing not to remain stuck there. That is the ticket. That is the most important thing. But let's go back to the original question about blame and specifically about blaming God. When we are living our lives, and all of us have experienced this, we make a mistake. And what do we expect from the people in our lives who love us the most? We expect forgiveness and unconditional love. Yeah. And even if we've messed up so horribly, we expect that our Father in Heaven particularly is always going to love us and forgive us and be there for us, right? Yeah. Always. He will be. He will, of course. But here's my question. When something bad happens in our lives, do we choose to love God with the same unconditional love? Right? We think, oh, this bad thing happened. I hate God. God's not there for me. But what if it was the other way around? Wow. It's a relationship. We have to remember that it's a relationship and that the same way we need our Father in Heaven to continually show up and trust us and love us unconditionally, we need to provide that same loyalty to our Father in Heaven. That doesn't mean we can't be mad. That doesn't mean we can't hurt. That doesn't mean that we can't yell and scream sometimes. A journal that you can just like write all your anger and your frustration out in and then rip those pages up and tear them apart. That's a really powerful exercise that I would recommend to anyone who's feeling those big feelings. Don't just push them down and tell yourself, I shouldn't be thinking that or I shouldn't be feeling that. Feel it. Let it overwhelm you and let it happen in a healthy way. I Give a never... voice to those things. Let yourself just write them out. So beautiful, Natalie. Like you guys, I'm wiping my tears right now and I hope you're feeling what I'm feeling and you know why this woman has been so powerful in my life. But I've never heard of that perspective. I haven't. Mm. Like it's a two-way relationship and I want to give them that love and respect as well. Yeah. Oh, that's huge. Well, and as we do that, we allow a deeper sense of connection with him because we're allowing ourselves to maintain the trust. Like if you do something wrong at home, Your mom and dad might be frustrated and mad at you, but they're still going to love you, right? Mm -hmm. Now, when something bad happens in our lives, we can be frustrated and mad that it happened and still love our Father in heaven. And those things can go side by side. Because one of the scariest things for people in grief and in pain is when they let themselves feel shame for feeling those feelings that they feel. That's when I feel like there's the most danger. Because when we feel ashamed, we feel wrong we feel unworthy, we feel broken. You are not wrong, you are not unworthy, you are not broken for feeling pain. It is a normal part of human existence and particularly when you've been through something so heavy and so hard, of course you're gonna feel pain and of course the darkest, deepest abyss of pain is gonna pull up some irrational thinking or some weird, yucky, thoughts. And the beautiful thing is you can feel those things without identifying with them. Just because you're angry, you aren't suddenly anger. You don't become anger. You're angry. There's a difference. If you're jealous for someone else's life and that they haven't experienced the loss and pain that you have, you're experiencing jealousy, but you are not jealous. You don't become jealous. That's not, you can't become that because what are you? You are a daughter or a son of God. And if you remember that nothing that you experience, nothing that happens to you, nothing that you do even can take away who you inherently are, which is a daughter and son of God. So those thoughts, those feelings, give a voice to them, put them on paper, throw them away, and then let them go. I'm so in for that. They are not who you are. They're experiences you're having, but they're not who you are. Don't feel ashamed of them. Everybody, everybody experiences them. I got a message today on Instagram from a mom who just lost her little, her little boy. And she just woke up one morning and went to his crib and he had died in his sleep. And can you imagine what that would be like for her to find her sweet child lifeless there? It just, it breaks my whole heart. And she was expressing some really 
heavy feelings to me and saying, you know, I, I, I'm embarrassed that I'm even mentioning this, but I just don't know where else to talk about it. But she was feeling jealous of friends who were showing up with their babies. And she was feeling frustrated when people were comparing her loss to other losses that they'd experienced that she didn't feel like were as significant. And then she adds a layer. So she's already feeling jealousy. She's already feeling resentment and pain. Then she adds a layer on top of it by making herself feel guilty, guilty. For feeling those things. And we do that to ourselves all the time. And so I was able to just write her back and say, you're right. It sucks. It's ridiculous. And it's awful. And you are not ridiculous and awful. Yeah. And that's the thing I want all of you guys listening to remember, that you can feel things without identifying with them that you are not bad or wrong. You are a human being going through an impossible situation. And whatever you think and feel, yes, it may not be where you want to camp out forever, but it doesn't mean that that's who you are. And as soon as you identify and give a voice to those things, you're able to let them go. And I don't mean give a voice to it by going out and telling everybody, I'm so mad at you and, yeah. and you have no idea what I'm experiencing. I just mean, allow yourself, say to yourself, you know what, right now I'm feeling jealous. Wow. That's okay. I'm feeling jealous. That's okay. I'm not jealous and I'm not going to feel this way forever. And I'm going to choose to do the things I need to do to put this behind me and to move forward. But until uh, you identify it, you have a, a higher possibility to stay stuck in it. And I want you to remember that, that once you identify it and just give it a voice, you're able to then send it on its way and move on more intentionally into the kinds of thoughts and behaviors that, that really are aligned with who you are, which is a divine being of light and love and perfection. So very beautiful. I need to know, do you think your perspective and these things you're teaching and learning are because of your innate gifts personally, or do you think that you've developed these things you've learned through the hardships you've been through? With permission from Natalie, we are going to start part two with a clip from her podcast called Show Up with Natalie Norton. This is in her bonus episode with her husband, Richie. I would highly suggest you go back and listen to the whole thing. But in this little clip that I'm going to play for you, they are discussing the heart-wrenching moments of losing their baby son, Gavin. And I cannot express to you how her words and her experience touched my life and affected me so deeply. I feel incredibly blessed that she allowed me to play this to you directly. You guys, what she shared in these few short minutes was pivotal for me. It was like her soul was speaking directly to my soul. So without further ado, I will play that clip from her podcast and then we will continue on to part two of the interview. And I know he's gone and I'm holding him in my arms. And, you know, we think about this in our worst nightmares, right? We think, we imagine, gosh, what would I ever do? I could never go through that. I would never be strong enough. Or, man, what would, what would, what would we do if we lost our child or our husband or our wife or our friend or our parent or whatever? We go through these worst case scenarios. It's human nature to at some point um, grapple with these kinds of things, right? And one thing that I don't know that I'd ever thought of was what next? Like you think about it in a general way, but I'd never thought of like the speci specific logistics. Like I'm sitting here holding my little boy and knowing that now I have to get up and leave that hospital, that I can't just stay there with him forever. And how do you make that, that move? How do you get up? How do you step into this hell that is now in, in front of you? How do you, how do you do that? How? There, I, there, it's impossible. And I literally remember saying out loud, How? And just feeling as though I was going to die under the weight of it. And I remember looking at you and your eyes just brimming with tears. And we just shook our heads at each other like, what do we do? And so in that moment, I remember holding him close and shutting my eyes and taking a deep breath. And just crying out in my mind to an unseen God, how, how? Like, where are you? How do I do this thing? You're asking me to do an impossible thing. I cannot do this thing. And it, it's such a weird thing to talk about because I can't ever do it justice with human language. Um, but the feeling that washed over me was probably the most profound experience of my life. I 
I suddenly felt in touch with myself in a way that I never had before. I wasn't Natalie Norton in this hospital room having this horrible, horrible um, reality. I was this person, this being, this Natalie Norton who had lived for eons before and would live for eons after. And while I knew that Natalie Norton in that hospital room in 2010, that she didn't have what it took to do this impossible thing. That other person, that Natalie, that that true essence of the divinity of who I really was, that that person had the power. And I opened my eyes and I stood up. And I looked around the room and all I saw was this big, cold, sterile hospital bed. And I didn't want to lay him there. It, he's my baby, my little, my little precious child that I just wanted so desperately to protect. And I looked around the room. And at that exact moment, before I could even register my next steps, there was a nurse standing in front of me. And she couldn't have been older than maybe like 23, 24 at the very most maybe probably closer to 20. She was a baby. I don't know. But all I remember about her was she had blue, blue, crystal blue eyes, and they were brimming with tears. And her lip trembled. And she said, would you like me to rock him for you? I'll rock him for you. And I was able, in that most dark and terrifying moment of my life, I was able to hand my little boy to another human being who had showed up for me in a situation that was probably breaking protocol. I mean, we'd been alone in that room, and in she came. She was probably so afraid, didn't want to interrupt, right? But she had the courage because in her soul, I imagine she felt inclined, she felt inspired, she felt compelled to step forward and help another human. I can rock him for you. Would you like me to rock him for you? And I handed her my little boy, and I stood there and watched as she sat down and rocked him so tenderly and just gazed at him, and she stroked his skin, and she hummed, and I was able to kiss him on the head and take your hand and walk out of that hospital into the fire that lay ahead, and I knew that even though I was afraid, even though I had no idea what I was in store for, I knew that that woman inside of me, that depth of who I was, that core divinity, was everything I needed, that I was going to be enough. Wow, right? I have listened to this episode so many times, and I've been able to share it with a few friends that really needed to hear it. And I'm really, really grateful that she was willing to share this clip with all of you. Seriously, if you just need to take a minute to pause and digest what she just shared, please do. I am going to touch on this at the end of the interview, but I just need you to understand her perspective more deeply through the rest of the interview. So we are going to start with Natalie answering the question that we left off with at the end of part one. I need to know, do you think your perspective and these things you're teaching and learning are because of your innate gifts personally, or do you think that you've developed these things you've learned through the hardships you've been through? Both. Both. I think that we come from heaven with certain propensities. I think that um, we've existed, right? Before we came here, this isn't the beginning And so a lot of the things that we experience, we're just sort of waking up to ourselves every day, right? And the more we experience, yeah, right? The more we wake up to that, to that person that we really are. And the more, the more that we kind of are able to cast away the veil that is veiling us from who we are at our Mm -hmm. deepest sense. Now, in addition to that, do I think that trials and hardships that we face have the ability to accelerate that process, definitely. If we let it. Yeah, exactly. And then the question is, why is that? Why do our challenges matter as it, as it relates to figuring out who we are and tapping into our gifts and our potential? 
Well, I'm going to tell you that I believe it's because during those hardships and trials, we rely with the most fierce dedication on God. Yeah. And the closer that relationship becomes, the more we're able to see who we really are. And so, yes, trials, challenges, oh my gosh, it is just, it feels like impossible to bear. But there is fruit there. There's beauty there. And the ability to know yourself as you really are and to feel in the deepest part of your heart um, that connection to your Father in heaven. And, you know, all the hardships I've experienced, all the pains in my life, um, I wouldn't give them back if I could. Because it would mean I would also have to give away all the lessons the growth. and the growth and who I've become um, in and through those, those hard, hard things. And the one, the one other thing I think bears mentioning and that I want all of you guys out there to hear is that it's not just this moment we're living in. There's a much bigger perspective. And I want you to think that you're like, I lived in Arizona for a little while. I live in Hawaii now on the North Shore of Oahu. And it's so amazing. I love it so much. Come visit me. But I lived for a little while in Arizona. And people in Arizona, at least where I lived, would go to their river. It was like a thing you did. Like you went to the river and you would float on like these big inner tubes down the river mm. in the summer. And it was like so, so fun. But sometimes you'd come around a corner and you wouldn't realize, oh my gosh, there's some rapids ahead. Or you'd come around a corner and suddenly it would be really shallow and you kind of get like beach. You have to get up and <laughs> carry your inner tube, you know, down the, down the river. And it, it was just... You not just, my favorite part. Yeah. Not my favorite part either. Um, but you couldn't ever see what was around the next bend. But I want you to think about things this way. If you had the ability to go up above everything and look down. You could see every curve in that river. You could see where there's waterfalls. You could see where the water's shallow. You could see where there might be some rapids. And that's the way our Father in Heaven sees and experiences. And so if we could see that way, then we would have a different perspective. And so when you feel as though, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous, remember that you can't see what's around the next bend and the next and the next. And that because I believe and know that our God is for us, he's always for us, which means he wants us to have joy and he wants us to be successful and happy and comfortable and, and joyful, joyful, joyful. That's the word that I'll always come back to. He wants that for us. And so I want you to remember that every bend that you take exists to get you to that space where you and I both want to be, which is, which is happy. And not just in some future life, but in this life right here. It's on and the horizon. That was my next question for you. I know it's difficult when you go through loss to want to feel joy again. How can you do that without feeling guilty? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's hard. It's, it's hard. Kind of that survivor's guilt thing. Yeah. Like, how do we how do we feel okay with feeling joy again when we've been through this really hard thing? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, if it's specifically loss, the question is, what would your loved one want? Your loved one does not want you to walk through life in pain. Yeah. That doesn't make them more alive. When you're, when you're really, really sad, it doesn't make them more alive. When you're really, really happy, it doesn't make them less alive. Yeah. What would they want for you? And that's a really, really good way. Um, to start the process. Another way is to remember that you're allowed to feel what you feel. And it, again, it's always going to be changing. So yeah, you might feel happy right now, but you know you're going to feel sad again soon. It's, a, mm -hmm. it's an up and down and side to side and all over the place experience. And it's not, there's not even a pattern to it. There's no predictability. It just does what it does. And so just remember, yeah, you might be happy right now. And that's not a betrayal to anyone. It doesn't push your loved one further away. It's just living your life. And that's okay. And that's totally okay. That and again and again, what would your loved one want? Just that question, that understanding can be pivotal to someone. Yeah, I agree. Thank I agree. you. Thank you for saying that. I wonder, this is kind of switching gears a little, but what is the best thing that we can do when we see a loved one or a friend who just had an extreme loss? What's the best way to handle that? I've been in those situations and I just yeah. want to take their heart and hold it and I just don't know what to do. What's the best thing you can do for someone? I think what you just said, say to them, I wish I could just take your heart and hold it. <laughs> yeah. I think often we, we accidentally say things that are for us. Meaning, 
we like, let's say that somebody lost their mom or their dad. We want to sit down to them with them and we want to comfort them. But are we comforting them or are we comforting us? If we say to them, you know what? I know it's so sad, but you'll see them again. Right now, it doesn't matter to that person that they're going to see them again. Yeah. That does not change the fact that they are not going to see them for so many years. And it doesn't change the pain and doesn't change the fear. But it makes you, as the speaker, feel a little bit better saying, you know what? You're going to see them again. Families are forever. You feel a little bit of comfort in that because you don't like watching them be in pain. And so a lot of times what we say to people and what we do is to help us feel better about watching them suffer because we don't like the feeling. But there's no way for you to lift their pain. And if you remember that there's no way for you to lift it, then you don't have to be in an attempt to fix, you can just be there with them. So you can say, I know I can't take this away. I know that there's nothing I can say, but I'm going to sit here with you for a while if that's okay. (sighs) Or saying things like, I would love to hear your favorite memory if you ever feel like you want to talk. Or you can say to them, can I tell you my favorite memory of your brother or your sister or whoever it was that, that they lost? Because we want to hear you think that bringing the person, the loved one up is going to remind us? Yeah. Yeah. Guys, we don't forget. <laughs> you coming and saying, yeah. hey, my, you know, I want to talk about your brother. Can you, Let me tell you this story about something that happened. You aren't going to suddenly remind us that we're in pain because we are very aware. It doesn't ever go away. There's not a respite. There's not a moment where we're unaware that we've gone through something really hard and, and scary. The other thing that I would say is don't ask, what can I do? I'm always here for you. Let me know if there's anything I can do. If you feel inspired to do something, act. Do not ask, act. You know, some of the the things that people did that were the most meaningful were things that I'm never even going to know that they did. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to know who did it. I'm just going to know that somebody did it. Somebody mowed your lawn. Exactly. Exactly. Things like that. Somebody mowed my lawn. One day I went for a walk and I came back and someone had scrubbed my bathroom nicest thing ever. No idea who did it. Super embarrassing for me for one second. And then the next second, I just realized what a wonderful expression of love because life goes on. And here I am in all this pain and I still have to scrub a toilet. That's when things start to feel unbearable. When you still have to do life, when you still have to yeah. go to school and you still have to take the test. Go to the grocery store. Exactly. And the mundane, normal parts of life keep going forward. And so anytime somebody stepped in and recognized that and lifted those burdens for me without asking, because what would I have said if she'd said, hey, can I come by and clean your bathroom? I'm fine. I would have said, no way. Thank you so much, but I'm really doing great. Or what if she said, is there anything I can do? What would I have said? No, everything is fine. Thank you. you You're right. Right. And so just act, act and be, just be, just love. Oh, Natalie, that is so helpful. That is so helpful. It really is because we're all going to be in those situations and it's just so beautiful to hear that. That's what you loved receiving and that's so useful. Thank you. One more thing, sorry, that I want to say because it's really good, especially for you teenagers who are on social media and texting and, you know, in that digital world, the digital universe. Um, One thing that's really meaningful is to feel remembered. So if there's an anniversary, let's say that someone died on the 1st of December, mm-hmm. reaching out to them on the 1st of January and saying, hey, I know it's been a month. I just wanted to let you know that I'm thinking of you. Mm-hmm. Or maybe on a birthday or on a holiday, hey, I know that holidays might feel hard for you without your, without your brother, or without your dad or your mom. I just want you to know that I'm thinking of you. I have not forgotten. Because over time and the further, like think about it, the funeral, everybody shows up, everybody's at your house, everybody's helping. And then all of that goes away and you're just left in it. And the pain doesn't shift. The funeral isn't some closure that lets you just move on and go back to your happy life. You still every single day are blatantly aware of what's lost and what's different. And so if you can remember how important it is for that person to feel remembered and to feel seen, that will do more than you can even imagine. And it helps you as, as the person, the comforter, the comforter of your friend. It helps you develop deeper compassion and awareness of others. And that's a beautiful thing also. So just remember, remember that the suffering doesn't stop and that little check-ins are kind. I really needed to hear this because I have a couple friends that have lost children and it's been just so tragic. And I do think of them when those special occasions come in Christmas and I, I think of them and I cry for them and I don't reach out as often as I think about it because I'm worried it'll regurgitate the feelings. And 
they're aware. Um, you're, yep. I needed to hear this, Natalie. There's not a scenario in which you're going to remind someone that they hurt. You aren't. I mean, they know that they hurt. They're very aware. Yeah. And all it does is help them not feel so alone in the hurt. Oh, and beautiful. that's the most beautiful gift you can give. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. So this question is something I think is very universal. When we go through something super hard, how can we fully experience a joyful life without looking over our shoulder in fear of what could happen again? I like to tell people that when you live in fear, you're suffering twice. And what that means is bad things are going to happen. Guys, let me just tell you, let me just like let you know, there are going to be some bad things. There's going to be trials. There's going to be hardship. And I don't even necessarily like the word trial because that indicates that like God is doing it to you. Yeah. The reality is we live in a fallen world where lots of bad stuff happen. And I just don't believe that God's always just making bad things happen. I don't believe that. I think that sometimes bad things just happen. And that's the result of living in a fallen world. Sometimes people are going to treat you unkindly. Sometimes you're not going to make the, the school play or you're not going to make the team or you're not going to get into the college that you wanted or your friends are going to gossip about you or you're going to lose someone that you love. That is what life is. It's a lot of really hard things. But if you spend your life worrying about the next one, it's not going to stop the hard things from coming. It just means that you're experiencing the pain of the worry Mm-hmm. And the way that the, that the worry and the fear holds you back from living. And then you're also going to suffer if the bad thing happens. And most of the things that we're, we worry about happening are never going to happen. It's true. Truly, they're not going to happen. But we're suffering as though they already have. And so we're experiencing pain that oh. is legitimately just like a monster under the bed. It's not real. It's not real, but we're experiencing it as though it is. Now, going back to what I said about how all these bad things happen, for sure, lots of bad things happen in life, and that's okay because we're really good at hard things, and we're going to be fine. Everything works out in the end, everything, and I'm evidence of that because I have buried more people than I should have ever had to bury, and I've said goodbye to more people than I ever should have had to say goodbye to, and my life is exquisitely beautiful, and it is so joyful. Everything works out. Everything, even the deepest, darkest, scariest things work out. And if you haven't come to that point yet, you will. One foot in front of the other, one Do breath high five. after the next. Stick to the high five when you just don't even know where to go or what to do or how to think or how to be. I promise you, I promise you there is hope. There is hope on the horizon. So, so beautiful. And I want to ask you this next question, but I have to interrupt and tell you about a memory I have of your brother. Yes, please. Oh my gosh. These are like treasures to me. You'll have to tell me if this is like, I have a lot of him just coming to play with my brother, Taylor. Oh, always. Yeah. And they were rambunctious little ones. And I know oh, I messaged stinkers. you about this for a while. They yes. played Ninja Turtles with actual knives, you guys. Like, <laughs> these are silly boys, dangerous boys. But I have a memory of, so we grew up in Alpine and it is wildly windy. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that this is the story you're going to tell. Because before, like when I very first got on, I thought, I need to ask her if that really happened or if it's just in my imagination. No. Oh my gosh, that's what I'm asking you. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy right now. (laughs) I need evidence of this because people don't believe me. People don't believe me. (laughs) (laughs) This is amazing. Okay, this is truth. If we both believe this, this is truth, right? Yeah. Okay. So it's wildly windy, like out of control. Like it would uproot, it would uproot trees and it would like throw uh, trampolines like out of people's yards. Yeah. Shingles are flying off the roof. I mean, this is the craziest windstorm ever. And Natalie was with her friend London London. Roberts. This is a real story. This is a real story. (laughs) (laughs) London lives two houses down from where Natalie lives. Yep. I think we were walking towards my house. It was in front of the deer Yes, exactly. Oh my gosh, this is insane. This is real. I was watching through the window because I was in awe of all the things erupting around me. Like every- it was like it was like being in that scene in uh, Wizard of Oz, like when the <laughs> twister's coming and everything's just flying all over the place. <laughs> it really was. So I see Natalie and London are holding Gavin's hands, and I'm trying to think of how old he must have been. He he couldn't have been more four? than like four. Yeah. Four. Yeah. So they're holding his hands, and I kid you not, his <laughs> legs are flailing through the air <laughs> like you. he could be flying away. It Did was like happen? flying a kite. And Legend <laughs> and I are like screaming like like white knuckle, like yes. holding onto him with two hands as tight as we can. And he's like flying like a kite. I am so thankful that this you remember happened. this. This happened. Yes. Have I'm like pounding 
not on the floor. I'm laying on my stomach in this, in the, just so you guys have a very clear idea of my level of professionalism. I'm laying <laughs> on the floor right now during this interview and I'm pounding my hand on the floor like, yes, yes, yes. I'm so thankful. Okay, I really told this did. story. I've told this story like 50 times and I'm like, I okay. promise that this happened. I promise this is real. And people are like, yeah, like kid memory real. I'm no, like, no, no, real, real. And Thank I'm you. watching through my window going, what, what's going on? I was terrified. Yes. Get yes. in the house. Get in the house, you guys. <laughs> and I see his legs are flailing. And this wasn't just like, like when you go one, two, three, and you wing no, a kid in the it air. It was like he was flying like a kite. His feet 100%. were flapping in the air. Yep. Okay. Have we ever discussed this before? I don't, not to my memory. I but have let's been, be fair. I'm old and I'm forgetful. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm so glad you I held feel so him. vindicated right now. I'm like going to call my mom and dad and be like, hey, by the way. <laughs> the neighbor was peeping on me and she's yep, Exactly. And I was not just exaggerating. Thank you very much. I am so glad you white knuckled those cute little hands of his Seriously. and saved him because that was so crazy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wow. There we go. Well, uh, cute, fun memories of you when I was younger. I just wish I was your neighbor and you were in I my know. everyday life. I just I adore you, Natalie. But then okay. would I have to live in Idaho in that scenario or could you move to Hawaii? <laughs> I will gladly move to Hawaii. I've never no, been. Idaho is so beautiful too. I am it like, really is. I like feel like we get each other. I never feel closer to God than when I'm on the beach. Oh, That's magic. life. Then when I'm on the beach and the sun is setting. Oh, I'm that like, is something. He is real. He is real. That's how I feel when I'm in the mountains. And so maybe it's just one of those things like wherever you aren't. Okay. <laughs> you know? Okay. Because growing up in the mountains, like I yearn for that, you yeah. know? Yeah, um, but true. then let's like bloom where you're planted. I firmly believe that wherever you are, find the joy in where you are. Okay, I'm going to go to the mountains for you as soon as hey, I can. And I will go to the beach for you. You go put those. Okay, pinky sword. <laughs> put those toes in the sand for me. Done. All right, my last question of the day, and I can't wait to hear what you're going to say. If you could go back and give your high school self one piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, that's such a hard question because I feel like that could be a whole show, right? Like it could be a whole episode right. of like what I would tell myself. Um, but I think if I'm being really, really honest, and it's weird because it's a, it's a definite lateral step from what we've been talking about, about grief and pain and, and challenges. I think I would tell myself to engage, which what I mean by that is don't hold yourself back. Don't worry. Don't self-censor. Don't feel like you have to be a certain way. Just engage and participate. There is one period of time in your life where you have the capacity and the, the access to all this cool stuff. Like even the stuff that people say is quote unquote dorky. Guys, I'm telling you right now, you're not going to have another opportunity in your life to like go to a wrestling match and or go and like let loose and just have fun at a, a volleyball game or go to a dance. Even if there's like only 20 other kids there, these opportunities exist during this one little window of time relish them, engage, show up, go to everything, participate, have fun, be happy. Don't worry about what other people are thinking. Just engage, engage, engage with your life. And I, you will not regret it. You will not regret it. You will not regret engaging with those beautiful, wonderful opportunities. I promise you that you won't. And you're not missing out by not engaging with all the baloney and the drama Amen. and the drugs and alcohol and all that garbage. You're missing out on nothing, I promise you. But if you engage in all those joyful things, oh, you'll never regret it. Amen, Natalie. I love it so much. When I first emailed Natalie, I talked about how I came across this talk called The Faith to Do His Will. And this woman talks about a wounded healer. And when you go through things, it just gives you like an expansive perspective. And we can then go on to help and heal others. And I've never met a more beautiful wounded healer. And I feel beyond blessed today. My heart is so full that I got to speak to you today. Thank oh, you for spending thank your time you. With me. Thank you for having me. And you guys out there, thank you so much for listening. I just love every single one of you. I hope that you feel that and that I believe in you. You've got this. You are awesome. I love you, Natalie. Thank I you. I love you. Thank you. When I began this episode, I told you guys that Natalie's experience she shared on her podcast about losing her sweet baby Gavin really spoke to my spirit and it changed my perspective on life. And I just wanted to quickly share my thoughts about this. I feel like her words just opened my eyes to help me recognize how our timeline on this earth is not all that this life is. We are not just mortals having spiritual experiences here. We are spirits having a mortal experience. Our spiritual DNA is God's DNA. 
If we could truly understand and keep this perspective when devastation and heartache hit, because we know it will, we can have the ability to tap into that divinity within each of us. Our fragile human bodies may not be able to handle some of life's challenges, addictions, abuse, or other difficulties that will be placed upon them, but our spirits were sent here for it. This is why we are here. And maybe this understanding can help us not resist trials so much. Joy doesn't just come from the absence of hardships. Hard is not bad. Hard is just hard. Let's try to not recoil from challenges and numb our feelings to them. We can have faith that we are going through what we need to, to grow into the people that we need and want to become. We can realize that the darkness is what helps us recognize the light. I love you guys so much, and I want you to know that if you are going through your own anguish or despair, you are not alone. You are very loved, and you are being watched over. Just remember to take care of yourself and keep doing those five things that Natalie mentioned in part one. And Erica made this wallpaper for you guys to set as your lock screen wallpaper, or you could just print it off and put it somewhere to refer to it whenever you need it. You will slowly find the way to your new path. And I hope you know that I am here for you and that I truly do love you. I know that all of you are fighting your own battles. Keep that head up and remember that everything you are going through will all help you on your way to become. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please click to subscribe and join us on Instagram. We'll see you next time on Becoming. Okay, I'm barging in here.